Hey, I'm excited to welcome a new sponsor to the show. Twine is a money-saving app that makes it easier for you to, to save up for your financial goals. Maybe you're trying to save to, uh, to launch a new business or a new project or just, um, you know, you, you got some big, big plans in your future and you need to have cash. So Twine helps you do that. It, it allows you to set it and forget it with automatic deposits from your bank account. So you can save without even trying and uh, remove that temptation to spend that cash that's sitting in your pocket. It lets you save up for the things that matter. All it takes is $5 and two minutes to get started. Right now, Twine will give you $15 to help you save for your goals. Go to twine.com slash rebel. When you, uh, when you open your first goal, Twine will add $15 to your account. Twine.com slash rebel today for $15 to your first savings goal. Start saving with twine.com slash rebel. Oh, hi, this is Feed Me, and you're listening to me on Rebel Radio. And uh, fuck you, Josh. <laughs> What's up? This is Rebel Radio. What up, what up? This is DJ Newmark. This is Peanut Butter Wolf. It's your boy. It's okay. Keep checking out Rebel Radio. Rebel Radio. This is Rebel Radio. We're in the place right here. Uh-huh. Rebel Radio is going down. Would you say Rebel Radio? Oh, wait. Let's do it again. What's up, Rebels? Welcome back to Rebel Radio, the weekly show where I bring you the Rebels that are shaping our culture. We find out how they do it, why they do it, and what you can do to get a little piece of the pie for yourself. We're also the only show to bring you new music every week from our friends over at EDM.com. I'm your host, Josh Levine, and check it out. My guest this week is Feed Me, talented artist, producer, DJ, uh, signed with Dead Mouse on the Mousetrap label. He's also got a number of other projects under different names and different genres. Tells us all about how, how he manages all that. He's also a talented uh, uh, graphic artist, designer. He's created his own character for the newest album called Teeth. And um, he's got some stories about how he sees kind of creating an environment for people um, going beyond the music and, and thinking about the visual and all that. And just some great stories about uh, learning as you go in your career and mentorship and questions and all the stuff you don't know that uh, just really good conversation. I hope you enjoy it. Let's get into it right after the EDM.com track of the week. Bitch, I pull up like the exercise. Everything I do extra fine. Everything I do extra lit. Hey ho, I hit extra fine. Hey bitch, in here extra thick. Got two roll, got extra time. Hey nigga, here don't get no shit. We lit the shit, we extra lie. Little bitch, I let my face, she been extra. Get out my face and give me face, you been extra. Got two calls, a voice, a spider, and all. Got two calls, a voice, a spider, and all. Time I got extra sauce. Got two cars and extra drop. Little white bitch like going to fall. Got three chains and extra. Fuck, I drank on extra gone. Yo, that was Macintosh with extra. The EDM.com track of the week. If you like that one, get over to EDM.com. Check out more new music. And right now, let's get into the interview with Feed Me. One of my friends from the UK is here recording, so I'm going to work with him Monday, Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And 
one of my other friends lives here and I've worked with him for a long time. Nice. So we've done a new thing with like a, it's sort of like a joint video audio project that we cooked up. Oh yeah? This week. Yeah. How does that work? Well, we always try and when we do, when we do tracks, we try and make sure they're like strong conceptually from the get go. Yeah. Um, rather than, I mean, both of us will sit in the studio on our own and sort of noodle around and, and come up with things. Yeah. Uh-huh. But um, if we're going to work together, I always feel like we've we've had a successful time by coming up with like a full thing, something mm-hmm. that's a bit more than just doing a track, something with a, a philosophy behind it, whether that's a story or uh, a particular style of uh, director we want to work with and we want to do it sort of audiovisual yeah. or um, any of these things, or, or perhaps the song has a particularly weird message or something we, we thought would be funny or interesting. Yeah. Uh, so the the idea we're both like big fans fans of Gaspar Noe, mm-hmm. so we wanted to um, do something sort of visceral uh, with that sort of video video in mind, um, just the way it's shot and the sort of warehouse uh, sort of anti quality look to it. Oh, so, cool. Uh, yeah, we, so we've been basically while we've been working to put it into practical sense, we've been cutting video to what we're doing as we're going. Yeah, that's so cool. I mean, you know, obviously content keeps becoming more and more important uh, for music and or for everything. And I think um, uh, it's interesting to see how people are like redefining the relationship between the audio and the video. Yeah, I think I've always thought of the, the two like visual and, and audio elements as being sort of connected. And I, I well, can't you have think... a really strong visual quality to, oh, thanks. to everything you do. Uh, yeah, I, well, I, I went to school for design and oh, art right? and stuff, and I yeah. was always under the delusion that I was going to become a, uh, a visual artist. Is that right? Yeah, that was what I was, think I was supposed to do. Um, it was my first, my first like job making money outside of working in a pub was uh, doing like graphic design. Oh, wow. Uh, uh, commission work. Cool. I did some stuff for Windows and Xbox and some oh, other no stuff. Way. Yeah, I was like, I was like late teens. Yeah, but I was doing it all online, oh, like cool. making money off the internet, which nice. everyone at the time—it was a long time ago now—thought I was out of my mind. Yeah, and uh, but it was—it was a lot of the, for me at the time. It was a lot of money, and it, that was a a big eye opener. Realizing that the internet was a legitimate business sure. playground, and and, and yeah. that I wasn't insane. Uh, right, that there was something. But all those hours in front of the computer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I learned Photoshop and stuff very early on, Illustrator, yeah. um, Flash, and some other mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. way back. A bit of animation. Yeah. Uh, so I was always working in tandem between messing around with some audio programs, which I just thought were great, sure. and strange, and uh, and also doing visual stuff. So right from early on, I had the tie between the two. Um, and I don't know if I would enjoy just doing one without the other. Mm-hmm. I think even if it was just a hobby, one became completely a hobby, I would yeah. still, Interesting. still do that. Interesting. Excuse me. <laughs> yeah, no, it's fine. Um, well, cool. Well, uh, I appreciate you making time. Thank you for having trip me. trip to come, come do this. Uh, you know, Alex wrote me and said, do you want to interview Feed Me? And I said, uh, you know, absolutely. So Alex uh, used to be my publicist. Oh, right. I think 18 years ago. So she, So she was... <laughs> She must have been 10 at the time. Wow. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, we've known each other and been friends for a really long time. And cool. She sends me great people. So, 
but as I started kind of getting into you um, and doing my research, like learning about all the other uh, artist projects you have going on as well, you're sort of like perfect for this show oh, because we like to explore just how people express their creativity in business. Cool. And you're doing that in like so many ways. Thanks. Thank you. It's um, nice of you to say. I, I hope so, I guess. Yeah, well, I want to get into to a lot of that stuff. Um, but take us back to the beginning. Um, and, you know, I want to I dig into kind of how, how you got uh, really into music. Do you remember the first record you ever bought for yourself? Yep. Uh, two at the same time. Yeah. I bought uh, CD singles. One was Buster Rhymes. Okay. Which, I don't know, is not typically in indicative of what I would listen to, I guess, but I just liked it. And yeah. uh, the other was Flatbeat by Mr. Wazza, okay. which I've sort of continually referenced and yeah. copied pieces out of my entire career just as a callback to that, really. Which, uh, um, which Buster Rhymes track? It was the one where he sampled Knight Rider. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. I do remember that. I just spent I all my money on that was a CD big player, tip. which is, it says how long ago this was, yeah. I suppose. I'm pretty sure that's almost 20 years ago. Yeah, it must have been. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can, now I can't remember the name, but I, I know the song. Is it Fire It Up, Turn It Up, something yeah. like that? Something like that. That sounds right. I've Fire still got the, the, the Flat Eric CD somewhere. It's uh -huh. knackered. It looks like an elephant sat on it. It's like <laughs> in the bottom of a box, but I've got it. Yeah. And, it and so were you super into music as a kid? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's occupied a lot of my time. My parents, I think they they sort of, I don't know how deliberately, but they shielded me from a lot of sort of modern pop music. Mm. I, I don't remember it ever being on in the house. Yeah, um, or really been exposed to it. Uh, my parents had like Radio Four and all the time, sort of documentaries and yeah. interesting stuff that didn't interest me then. Yeah, and the shipping forecast and. Uh, <laughs> But they did have a lot of vinyl, mm. uh, which I was allowed to use if I was careful. Yeah. And I remember like uh, vividly putting the old speakers on the floor, like a gap, mm -hmm. and lying on the floor with my head in the gap. Oh, cool. the stereo, I didn't have any headphones. <laughs> and, and just listening through everything, yeah. uh, all sorts of stuff. But still really nice vinyl collection, all sort of eclectic stuff from, I guess, 60s all the way through to the 80s. Uh -huh. um, and some soundtracks and things in there too. It's probably a oh, couple nice. of rare bits. It's nice. Yeah. Um, I guess that gave, I think there's a sense of ritual to listen to music that way. Yeah. Having to take it out and be careful with it and put it on and being able to see it physically. Yeah. Uh, do you ever still do that? Not right now. I don't have a record player right now. Is I'm that right? I to say. I should get one. <laughs> we have, I have a gramophone. Yeah. But it's in a state of disrepair currently. Like a proper like wind up and that? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, it's a replica. It's not. Yeah, it's not a genuine vintage one, but it looks cool. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, probably not the best sound though. No, I think it will cut a record in half yeah. after about three plays. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> so sure the needle. Heavy, well, right? yeah, it's a fairly hefty device. Sure. Uh, it would be nice to listen that way again. I still like the idea of albums and yeah. putting them on to yeah. listen to them. I, that's how I would listen to music at home. I try to do that once in a while to like kind of re. Go back to those roots. Mm -hmm. Sit there and listen for an hour on the you know an album straight through. Yeah, I, it's. I think it's unfortunate that's not more common. 
yeah. or it's becoming less common. Yeah. You know, music is now something you put on while you're doing something. Yeah. And some music fits that purpose. Um, but I don't think that's always the right way to do it. Sure. I, I, I mean, I spend a lot of time watching films. Yeah. So the idea that I need all my senses stimulated at once all the time, you know, uh -huh. is, is, I don't know if that's right. Sometimes it's good just to focus on one thing. Like yeah, just the kind sound. of lose yourself. Yeah, yeah. sit somewhere dark and, and focus on it. I yeah. tend to come out thinking differently about the album had I, than had I just put it on in the car. So how'd you get um, introduced to the idea of making music? I think I found, like I, was, I mentioned, uh, I, I got onto some like graphics programs because I, I, I had like deluxe paint on the Amiga <laughs> when I was like six. You know, my parents got me an Amiga, it yeah. was tiny, which was a good thing because it, it required some basic programming to get it to work, you know, to get Workbench to function and load discs yeah. or copy them or save things. So it wasn't just a console, and it did have some practical uh, applications on it. So I had Deluxe Paint, and I was learning to like do pixel art, basically. Mm -hmm. I was copying, I had like an Amiga magazine with a character, and I was trying to copy it on the screen. How funny. Um, yeah, uh, and, it, and it's stylistic as well, because I mean, pixel art now is, is its own thing, but at sure. the time it was just the limit of yeah, capability. Yeah, yeah. And then I suppose as I got, we got better computers in the house. My dad got one for like the office and I started messing around with it, basically frequently breaking it, but um, filling it with programs and things. Mm -hmm. uh, and I started messing around drawing on that. And then Back when there, like hard drives used to fill up. Yeah, very quickly, yeah. especially, was, yeah, I was just grabbing as much stuff as I could um, and stealing as much software as I could as well, yeah. just on IRC. I got on like chat rooms and started meeting people on the internet who are creative people, yeah. know, just talking to them. And I didn't, have that sort of network at school so much. Mm -hmm. I didn't get on well at school and it was pretty quiet, kept to myself. But when I got home, I could go in there and, and there was like this room full of, chat room full of people who were all doing similar weird things with their computers. And yeah. uh, one of them mailed me Photoshop on like a burnt CD from nice. somewhere in the States. Uh, bless that person. And uh, I installed that, started working on that. I got some commission work, I did some websites, joined like an art group. Um, I was one of the first people on a website called DeviantArt. I mm -hmm. knew the yeah. owners of that, and, uh, or the Jark, I think the guy that started it, and I registered on there. Mm. Uh, I think that was like late 2000, early 2001. Okay. I've still got the account. Nice. <laughs> but uh, started working on there, and then I also then I started to find also audio programs. I, I played in the school band like orchestra. What did you play? Flute. Okay. Yeah, not my choice. I went to a rugby school, <laughs> and. Uh, Walking around with a flute. Yeah, wasn't really, yeah, it wasn't really. You don't look so tough with that. No. No, but I also looked incredibly unhappy to be holding it as well. So it's just, it just Charlie Browned my way around <laughs> carrying this thing. At least the one upside of it, it wasn't that heavy. Yeah. I, I could have. Sure. I felt bad about it and didn't enjoy it until I saw people carrying tubers. Oh, yeah. You know? <laughs> I started out playing trumpet when I was a kid and, and, and I was like, I quit because I didn't want to carry it to school anymore. It was right. too heavy. Yeah, Seriously, I, I tried playing trumpet a couple of times because every now and again we get bored and I yeah. try it. And I was always amazed at the amount of force oh, yeah. it required. It was like way more physical. Yeah. Uh, so I didn't envy that either. Mm. Uh, but it did teach me a lot about sort of monophonic, you know, melody basically. And uh, 
when I think back, you know, I was playing some quite complex stuff and I, I moved up a bit. So mm -hmm. I think I was first flute for a bit until someone who could be asked knocked me out of the way again. <laughs> so yeah. I wasn't the most enthusiastic for sure. practice. But I did that. So I had musical interests anyway. I listened to like old vinyl and things. Um, I, had, I had like a style of music I liked. I'd also started to hear electronic music through my teens. Mm. Uh, and then I found uh, Fruity Loops, FL Studio online mm -hmm. um, and downloaded that. And I, I just couldn't believe that it existed, that I could make these little things and keep them. It yeah. was sort of extra interesting that, that you could, I could come back to it the next day and add things. Sure. I found myself thinking about it when I wasn't there. I'm so happy to have HoneyBook as a sponsor on Rebel Radio because I know a lot of you, just like me, have your own businesses. Um, you started something around your creativity and, and that's what you love doing. But you know, running a business, you have to do it all, right? You gotta handle the contracts, the payments, the proposals, all the stuff that's not really what you care about, but it has to get done, right? Cause you gotta get that money. So HoneyBook is an online business management tool that lets you organize all those communications in one place. Uh, it integrates with your existing software like QuickBooks, Google Suite, MailChimp, whatever you use. And it, it just makes it simple to run your business better. They give you templates, signatures, automation to keep everything on track, let you focus on the work that you really love to do. Save time, do more of what you love with HoneyBook. Right now, HoneyBook is offering Rebel Radio listeners 50% off your first year with the promo code REBEL. Payment's flexible and the promotion applies whether you pay monthly or annually. So go to HoneyBook.com, use the promo code REBEL for 50% off your first year. Don't be stupid, do it now. That's HoneyBook.com, promo code REBEL. So that was the beginning. Uh, I, I got in a new science class. I sat next, next, to, next to this new kid, Martin, who was a local drum and bass DJ. And uh, I mentioned that I'd been making music at home and he took like, a keen interest. Yeah. So the next, I think a few days later, he borrowed his mum's car. And instead of going to class, we just drove back to my house, which I thought was not proper. But he, he was like, no, this is much more important. So uh, I showed him what I'd been doing and it was sort of abstract, like, uh, I guess what you would have called like IDM, mm -hmm. sort of like warp record stuff. Mm -hmm. So I was, I was starting to discover. So it was really chaotic and, and non-repetitive. Mm -hmm. And he was like, if we can turn this into something that repeats more so that normal people can listen to it, <laughs> there's a market for it and it would be fun. We could actually play it on big speakers, like wow. in clubs and stuff. And I was, yeah. that's what interested me, like being able to project it loud as opposed to on these little sure. things. So we started bunking off school basically and, and working together to make records. And mm. he was flyering locally for local shows. So I started going with him and it just escalated from there. We started getting interest from, from you know, some of our favorite DJs. Mm -hmm. like, I remember being in my parents' like uh, living room and, and Andy C called us on, on, that, on Martin's phone. So we bricked it, we couldn't believe it, you know, like yeah. jumping around, looking at the phone ringing. <laughs> It just to say he was basically interested in the track and could he get a, a better mix down of it because we were nice. shocking. So, <laughs> so we kept trying at it. We never really got it signed, but it was those things are little sort of breadcrumbs. Yeah. Um, we got in some clubs underage. I think we were still 17 about this time. Mm -hmm. And uh, some of our friends sort of further up in the industry snuck us in places, Bagley's and Fabric and places like that. We were in mm -hmm. there. 
um, Herbal and Shoreditch went there. <coughs> used to, um, I was at like Pendulum's first ever gig there and things like yes. that. I was down there every weekend. My friend lived next door. I used to stay there all weekend, stagger around with Kansas Stella and listen to as many DJs as I could and give them CDs. That's cool. Yeah, we got signed to hardware and then it went on from there. Mm. Was there a moment when you realized that this was going to be your career? I suppose I, I sort of got forced into a position because I went to uni, mm -hmm. university, like college, for model design, which was architectural modeling, product design, and special effects for film. I did three and a half years there, scraping through. Yeah. Uh, much to the chagrin of my classmates who hated me because I used to. With some, actually, with two of the projects, my dad, I was in so far behind, my dad actually helped me finish them just so I didn't get kicked off the course. Sure. But I still got through. I couldn't believe I kept getting re-accepted. Yeah. But I got all the way to the end of it. My parents had put all their money into it and I'd basically wasted it. Um, I had the choice to uh, finish the final project, which was going to put me in about $8,000 worth of debt, mm. which I, you know, I just didn't have anymore because mm -hmm. I'd spent it all on audio equipment at this point anyway. Right. Uh, I'd stayed at home in order to carry on making music. I didn't want to move into the, into the college. Uh, and I, I could either spend all this money and try and finish this project. And the teacher had already told me I would get no better than like a C mm. because of my previous stuff. Yeah. Or um, I got offered to do like a five week tour out here DJing for cash. Yeah. So I looked at the two options. Sure and came here yeah so i mean i had no visa i had two boxes of vinyl and no plan yeah so i just sofa surfed around the states got paid in envelopes uh -huh. um i got stopped at customs and searched for like three hours they had no idea what i was doing i mean now so, you know i'd, I'd, I'd have a 10-year ban yeah i got stopped twice one in once here and one once in canada and got like completely wow pulled apart yeah um they had a lining out my UDG bag, everything. Uh -huh. couldn't, but they just couldn't work out what I was doing. <laughs> I just told them I was a music fan. And, uh, but I did that. I just went round and round. And, and when I came back, uh, I'd been kicked off the course. I had no degree. Yeah. And basically, I spent the next year destroying any paperwork that came from the unis before my parents saw it. <laughs> and I told them that I was going to go back the next year and finish. But in fact, that wasn't even a possibility. They, they'd already... Yeah. So I had like a year to turn it into a career before mm. I sort of completely disappointed my family forever. Yeah. So it put, I'm actually really grateful for that. That situation was terrifying. I was really, I, bet. Uh, I was disappointed in the position I'd got myself to. And I was starting to really understand how much my parents had put into putting me in that position, mm -hmm. how much of their savings and things that they could have used for money they could use for themselves or my sure. sister. So I, I felt, obligated to succeed mm. um which was a huge a huge uh, driving force so so how did that change how did that obligation change your your you know approach you know waking up every day to to make that happen i don't remember like doing a lot else mm -hmm. uh, i worked in a local hotel like just bar work i worked there underage as well they put me on the bar <laughs> at 17 i was so I just didn't seem to care. It was like 40 towers, <laughs> stuff, fights, and 
nice. chaos constantly. Yeah. We used to stay after there and just get hammered. Yeah. But um, interesting experience. Also learned a lot socially from being there because it was a pretty loud environment and I was a pretty quiet person. So yeah. I was sort of forced into the world there. But wow. when I wasn't there, I was on the computer. Mm-hmm. I don't remember doing anything else at all mm-hmm. um, or wanting to. I was either reading about stuff that, that sort of interested me or, or trying to apply that sort of inspiration on the computer. And then my friend Martin was still involved, so he'd call me up and if I hadn't sent him anything for a little while, he'd be like, what's going on? Come around and we'd work through stuff and try and improve it. Yeah. He, he was a lot more regimented than me. He's like mm. a very business-minded person, so that was a good influence to have at that point too. Yeah. I think it's, it's quite common now to find bedroom producers who have a lot of skill and talent but are struggling to apply it into time frames right you know, discipline complete, yeah the discipline yeah. is isn't necessarily a creative person's natural forte yeah. mm-hmm. can that be can that be learned or do you think that's just how, the way some people are I think so yeah, yeah, because I didn't have it naturally, and I still yeah. don't. I, but I, I've learned to sort of police myself. Yeah, you, you manage, know? And, you, and you set markers where you think, if I, if it gets to that point, it's not going right. You know? Right. Just putting deadlines in and, and achievable goals. Yeah. Um, and and more lately, like more sort of recently, just taking better care of myself in general because mm. I've realised that it makes me more efficient all the time. So what do you do? I've seen I've seen some of the posts about about your keto. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm the, Everyone I'm, that mentions that, I'm like, no, oh, I kind of eat the same way. My... So I. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I get it. Um, but what's the regimen? Now, uh, what well, I eat as clean as possible. Yeah. Um, I put myself to sleep when I should, uh, and get up early if I can. I mean, that's hard in this business, yeah. Yeah. Although I'm finding it easier, I basically stopped drinking. Yeah. Um. I've done enough of that. Yeah. I just think, and, oh uh, yeah, and, and eating the ketogenic diet, I've lost a lot of weight. I feel yeah. just more mentally agile all the time. For sure. Uh, I, could, I, I could bore you with a list of things that's improved for me, but um, yeah, it was a good idea and it was about time. I also enjoyed doing physical stuff. I yeah. played football a lot. I, I stopped doing that, so I wanted to get more physical, physically fit, mm. ride motorcycles, and I wanted to get fitter for that for the summer. Nice. Uh, so it just made sense. And I suppose it started with a small idea of just sort of improving my diet and it's had a knock-on effect mm. in every facet of my life. And I feel ignorant for not taking notice of the idea before, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, but you have to come to these things when you're ready, right? Okay, well, that's what you say when you get something late, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> I guess so. I guess so. But it's, it's funny. I mean, I, I was I actually had a friend conversation with a friend yesterday from a a site that we both know, um, saying that, you know, he's, he feels like to succeed in, in this industry, you have to be out drinking with people regularly. And that that's not really what he wants to be doing. Mm. And I think, you know, I kind of told him he's wrong, that, that you don't have to do that. But I think that's what people just assume, because we see that everywhere. The industry's changed since I began. Yeah. When, when I started, I was terrified and there was no industry. Like I said, I was sleeping on people's sofas, some of which I didn't know for days. 
I got left in an apartment in downtown San Francisco for like four days with two pit bulls because <laughs> the promoter had forgot to get me a hotel, didn't have any money. Oh, shit. And then he had to leave for mm. a family thing. So he just gave me the keys and was like, I'll just let you lock up when you leave and put it back through the letterbox. So yeah. Just there with these giant dogs. It was weird, you know? <laughs> I'm sure. Um, stuff like that, constantly. Um, and like we did a uh, festival in Salt Lake City and, and it got raided by like a SWAT team and had tear gas thrown at me and chased by police dogs. So like, a bunch of kids got arrested. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, it was on talk radio and that, and Michael Moore covered it. And oh, things nice. like that. It was long, yeah, mad. They still do events, actually. Yeah. Um, so good for them. <laughs> but uh, things like that were just, just, the only way I could cope with it was to drink. Yeah. And, and we were out sort of, with, I used to stay with a drum and bass group called Evil Intent mm. and uh, E1, which, which is now Kill the Noise, I mm-hmm. worked with a lot. They were sort of like my big brothers, I guess. But we just went around making vhs tapes of us breaking things or mm. throwing furniture around and <laughs> chopping things up with an axe or uh. Uh, various drinking games and just being idiots really but it, it was a way of coping i sure. think now looking back I, I, there's no other way i could have got kept up the intensity and, and held back how scared i was because it, it had no future and no guarantee yeah um that's different the situation now. There's a structured idea of what, what a producer is, what a DJ is. There's, sure. a, there's, there's sort of certain um, expectations of the network you would want in an ideal situation, like mm-hmm. an, an agent, a manager, mm-hmm. perhaps a PA, um, publicist, uh, a, a situation where, you know, and, and a social media presence and things mm-hmm. like that, mm-hmm. which were all it's completely esoteric ideas back then. I, I mean, the first four years of Feed Me, I'd never had a tour manager. And I'd come out here and wow. do EDC and all these lads had uh, these blokes with them. And I was like, why, why is there two of you? Like, yeah. are you both playing? He's like, no, it's my tour manager. I was like, what's that? Yeah. I had no idea. I was like, why? It costs you money. And he was like, yeah. Stupid. <laughs> what a waste. So I, That's funny. Yeah, I, I never thought it like that. Just the, the, the... But do you think, I mean, those aren't new concepts, right? And obviously... You know, there have been massive DJs, you know, especially in the UK for 20, 30 years. Mm-hmm. If we go back to, you know, Sasha and Oakenfold. And, right. Right, Carl Cox. Um, but I think what you're saying is like that information wasn't out there. I mean, oh, those yeah. guys have been doing it. Well, I came from drum and bass. Yeah. Which. Yeah, but even still, I mean, you know, Goldie and, and uh, Bookham and those guys probably had some, uh, some sort of organization around them. A bit, yeah. I was always, the, the further up I got in drum and bass, the, the more I was surprised at how unorganized it was, right? I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, it's sort of, it's very sort of pirate mm-hmm. mentality. I, mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed it, you know. It's, I, I still still got a soft spot for all that. But uh, yeah, yeah no, mean, there was no one really telling me, like, you need this set up, you need this, this is how it works. I yeah. was just totally ignorant and... and uh, just sort of pinwheeling yeah. forward without really uh, much idea. So what have you learned? I mean, you, you, it's, it's interesting because, you, you know, you talk about some of this stuff, figuring out kind of on your own, maybe by, by accident. Mm. Um, and then, you know, folks like that guy Martin, who kind of helped and inspired, was that his name? The, the, yeah, 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 yeah. Right, that, yeah, yeah. 
And like, and you know, it sounds to me like people like that who are sort of informal mentors, right? Are so important, especially when you're starting out and maybe even still. Yes, I'd say so. Yeah. It's, you know, in times when everyone's been sort of, when my network's been less, uh, I guess, in focus or accessible, yeah. my productivity's gone down. So yeah. I've always made sure now, especially that I have a good network and close communication of reliable people and we're constantly bouncing ideas. Yeah. It keeps you feeling secure and, and just having that reference. Um, it's also competitive. I like competition. You know? Yeah. Yeah, like sure. Someone I, his production I admire sends me a clip and it sounds really good. I'm annoyed. <laughs> I didn't make it. In a good way, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. So, um, yeah, that, that is important. I, I had informal mentors back then, I suppose, just nothing formal. And mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. going back to what you were saying about needing to drink and socialize, um, now the idea of networking, I just hate it. I yeah. have no interest. But I, I was never that that's never why I was doing that anyway. I was out because I had to keep busy. I had to keep feeling comfortable. Sure. Uh, and feeling like we were on an adventure. Because if I just sat still and on someone I didn't know his couch, and I was like, well, what am I doing here? Like, yeah. got no bank account or anything. It's got a bag of money. Okay. <laughs> like, like, no, nothing, you know, like no future. So, sure. um, yeah, I, I, now I, I any sort of artistic contact, I'm happy. I'm, I like reaching out in a professional manner. I'm, mm -hmm. I don't like, like Miami doesn't interest me trying to go out and... and go shake hands. And, and, no. yeah. I'm, not that, I'm not naturally that person yeah. and I find it extremely tiring to do that. Yeah. So uh, it, to me, it's not worth the energy. I don't ever get the benefit. So what's in, your in style then? How do, you, how do you meet the people you need to meet with, if that's not your way? I suppose I just ask, like if, if someone's really interesting to me, we've always just, I've just said, if they've got a manager, I mm -hmm. think it's more, you know, I'll ask my manager, see if they're interested. Or sometimes mm -hmm. if they seem accessible, I'll just ask them, mm -hmm. do you fancy working together? Yeah. They can only say no. Right. And I'm never offended. So. You do like, uh, you send people DMs or you like yeah, email? Anything, I guess. Yeah, SoundCloud I or whatever? Probably Twitter or yeah. an email, you know. Yeah. Um, I've always found it just seems to fall into place. If it mm -hmm. doesn't, I don't like feeling forced. Sure. The only other way I've worked with people is is through like uh, my publisher, and mm -hmm. they've set up sessions, mm -hmm. which is totally the flip side of the coin. Like it's like a here's some music I've written. Who do you think would sort of fit the mold for that? Right. And then I'm up for the lottery of seeing if I get on with those people. Yeah. Which, um, is the antithesis of what I just described. Yeah, yeah, sure. But I like the being out of my comfort zone. Yeah. So, you know, you're in a room, you've, you've, I've brought like half my studio with it and sort of plugged it in and mm -hmm. uh, you've got sort of 12 hours to see if something happens. If yeah. it doesn't, you probably learn something anyway. Like yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll get better at micing people up or, um, it's in, I like the psychology of sort of seeing if you can catch, capture someone's attention quickly, which mm. those writing environments tend to revolve around. You know, you, you, I'll like, we'll play some chords for ages, nothing, they're sort of sitting there like, yeah, looking at you like, oh, who is this idiot? Yeah, how, how long is this? Yeah, and, and then, then I'll play like a guitar loop that I recorded three years ago, and they'll be like, I love that. Yeah. And then you think, oh, just, it just takes that one sort of seed sure. to kick something off. I did some of my last album that way, and 
uh, I really enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. uh, it was, again, it was sort of frightening, but keeping myself a bit scared is, I think, is part of the uh, the forward motion, keeping the forward motion going. Mm. That's great. What? Um, so you so you record under multiple names, um, right? With, with Spore and and Feed Me and mm -hmm. Seven Stitch. Yeah, that's right. Um, why is that a good idea? <laughs> well, uh, let me ask you this way. Like, wh what's the upside and the downside to doing that? <clears throat> I suppose one thing I learned when I started and that I was interested in because of having a graphic design background was branding. Mm. And I suppose when people, I get asked about this a lot by other artists who are sort of trying to begin, and sure. they know that they need a brand, yeah. you know? But it sounds like they're putting a sticker on an unlabeled box to me rather right. than yeah yeah uh i think real branding is 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 in it you know it, go, it runs right through like a stick of rock it's, it's in the thing you're doing it's part mm. of it through and through and when i started creating projects I, I wanted that i wanted it to look like a world you could be in yeah. the same way that i felt immersed when i played computer games and nintendo and stuff like that playstation like it felt like the 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 ethic, the, the aesthetic, everything ran all the way through the game from mm -hmm. the way that the textures are designed, sure. the, the way it plays, the way it makes Yeah, they it call it world building, right? Yeah. yeah. So with that in mind, I, it was something I wanted to... That's really the, the core idea behind all of it. Like mm. the, the music is part of that, but it's plugged on. And the, yeah. the visual is part of that, but it's plugged on. If, if the uh, core idea of, and the ethic is interesting mm -hmm. then you're just constantly adding to it and you're building this world where this is all sort of accumulating um the first time i did that was with spore with drum and bass i wanted i i was just doodling logos and things to make sure that i had when i was on a flyer mm. that there was a recognizable stamp on it which seemed sure. a pretty basic idea um and i didn't have the budget or really the scope in drum and bass or the sort of legroom to get much more than that done yeah um, it's a difficult uh, industry, drum and bass in London, to carve a name out for yourself. It's, Why is that? Uh, I'd say it's just sort of monopolised. Mm -hmm. There's, it's, I mean, it's still run by the same people now that it was when I was at school. Mm -hmm. uh, the exact same people, really. Uh, nothing's shifted. Um, it's nice to see new people coming to it, and new people are coming through. Mm -hmm. But the route they have to take often involves semi leaving the scene mm. uh it's not somewhere where i don't think new artists are championed uh as as strongly as they are when they have sort of real room to fly if you know what i mean yeah. so which is part of why i moved on i suppose uh, doing feed me after that was a direct response to feeling claustrophobic in in drum and bass mm. uh when I, I was trying to work different tempos into my sets and as long as it was five minutes worth, that was okay. Yeah. But any more than that was, well, we can't really be doing that. Yeah. That's not what we booked you for. Yeah. So. Was, that, was that coming from the promoters or the crowds or both? Both. And the yeah. people I worked with even, like yeah. uh, ran label with, uh, just sort of pushback. Mm. And I was like, well, surely this is forward thinking. Like, why, why does it have to be this speed all the time? Yeah. Is that, is that, is that the only thing that defines it as drum and bass? I'm not always sure that's the case. Mm-hmm. So I, I, with that said, 
uh, MySpace came through. I had an opportunity just to make my own website quickly with new music on. So I yeah. made a couple other pages and started uploading completely different thematic ideas mm -hmm. to see if anything stuck. Uh, I did one for sort of like spore side project stuff, which was a bit all over the place. And, and I ne I'd never heard house music. I'd never been to a house music night. I'd never heard techno. Really? No, nothing. Wow. The only time I ever heard anything four on the floor was like, a few bits were getting on the radio, yeah. I suppose. Like sure. I said, like Flat Eric, or there was like maybe one or two early Justice records. Mm -hmm. And then there was like, sort of like new rave stuff, like Klaxons and things like that, which mm -hmm. had a sort of indie band, but also electro sensibility. And I was like, oh, that's pretty exciting. So I made another page with the Phoebe brand on it. I did all at once, did two tracks really quick. And uh, I drew like this character and I had like a build proper school style bubble in the middle like spider diagram with ideas yeah and the original idea i had was like a whole band so there was mm. like a, a monster with six arms that was the drummer mm -hmm. and uh and then the guitarist sort of and he had like loads of pickups on it and things mm. and he was just in like this cave of guitar amps and things so it was all just extreme like sort of adult muppets uh -huh. plays dance music that's cool uh, and i put it online but we just simplified like I tried to keep it sort of clean and then uh the next morning I got up and loaded it and a dead mouse had messaged me on there and was like I want to sign these tracks the next day yeah wow. yeah I, I literally went to sleep well because my bed was about this far from the screen uh -huh. yeah so I, I did it went to sleep and then went back and opened it and I had a message me Spoke to him like once or twice before, okay. I think, on like IRC or yeah. But I didn't really know anything about him at all. So I went, got the train. About an hour later, he was like, "Where are you?" So he said, "I'm standing." At, he was at the Andaz down by Liverpool Street, mm. which was right by my house, straight down the tra train line. Mm -hmm. So I went down there, <clears throat> just spent the morning with him. He was showing me. He brought two computers with him to the hotel, which blew my mind because my computer was piece of shit basically yeah, yeah, and uh i just it was just such a wreck and uh i'd put it together myself but the idea that you could put things in boxes and take them on planes was mad to me and then you had the just mouse head thing mm -hmm. which i was sort of starting to get that there was he had a lot going on um yeah and it it was just interesting i just sat with, at lunch with him listening to where he'd been playing and sort of just prodding his brain and he was just sort of doing the same with me he was really mm -hmm. interested in my sound design because of the drum and bass stuff mm -hmm. <clears throat> and he mentioned like talking to Trent Reznor about one of my tracks and things like that and I was sort of like hmm I was, like washing my hands in the toilet thinking like this guy's on the same you know this, this is really interesting I'd never yeah. had a conversation outside of this little bubble of drum and bass really? about music I'd never met any other producers or anything wow so he signed the tracks and then uh, his management company 360 sort of semi took me on provisionally mm-hmm I started doing remix work. At the same time, my drum and bass career actually picked up a bit. Um, but after another well, a couple of years, coming into like 2009, 2010, okay. I was, was realising that was as far as I was willing to take that and there wasn't much scope for developing it further without 
quitting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and also the management company hit me up and were like, look, you've sent us, we've got this folder of demos you've never done anything with. Uh, we're either going to cut you off the roster yeah. or pull your finger out and do something with them. So they set me up with an intern and between the two of us, we sort of masterminded the first big Feed Me release. Nice. Released it on Christmas. And uh, I like, went up the top of the Beatport chart and stuff, which when that, when that was really sure. prevalent. Yeah. And then that was it. I don't, the, the next couple of like, years of my life were just a blur. I didn't really. I bet. I find it difficult to separate all that out. <laughs> yeah. That was a long answer, wasn't it? No, it was a good. Try no, shorten these down. No, no, that was a great answer. <laughs> um, no, I, I love the stories. I mean, I, I, you know, I can imagine, you know, sitting there and, and, you know, you're you're there's a whole new world open that you're not even aware of. Yeah, I didn't know. Also, like when I when I show started happening over here. Yeah. Uh, none of the promoters knew what it was either. Like EDM was right. wasn't really a thing yet. Yeah. So they were they knew that there was money to be made, mm-hmm. and there were kids that wanted to come. Mm-hmm. But the branding and the organisation was wildly all over the place. You know, and uh, I think it's always that way. Right. I think when it when rock and roll started, it was that way. Yeah. When hip hop started, you know, I think kids discover stuff. And they decide they love it, and then everyone else tries to catch Playing up. Playing catch up, yeah, absolutely. Which it was interesting. Like there was no guidelines, and right. I loved it. Everyone around me on the stage was playing totally different music I'd never heard, yeah. and had their own thing going on and their own story. It was like sort of like you were bumping into. It's like the start of a computer game, and you bump into the other adventurers, you know, yeah. and they've all got like a different backstory from a different part of the world map. Sure, and. Uh, it was, it was bizarre to find out that there were people on the other side of the planet who had similar stories to me. Who were like, you know, had quit college or left home, and like got picked up doing this or mm-hmm. DJing locally and, and made their way to this same festival site. Uh, it was really yeah, cool. Um, absolutely. So what what do you think you've learned from Dead Mouse looking back? Uh, a lot of patience. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's about. I don't know. I mean. I've uh, I've always admired his sort of scope of vision. Mm. You know, he's not someone that believes that there's a boundary between what he wants and what he should get. Mm. So uh, that is is uh, a force to witness. Sometimes I enjoy I that, bet. Um, and also like his tenacity and relentless application for technology, and and uh, it comes through all the time. Mm-hmm. Like ignore. 10 people all day who are trying to ask him things that aren't particularly interesting and then make an hour for someone that's got a new synthesizer in the backstage and he, he's interested in, you know, his, his, uh, his, his, his dedication yeah. and, and genuine interest in that sort of thing always comes through. Interesting. Uh, aside from that, I don't know. Well, it's interesting that you guys would work together because he's arguably a master of branding uh and and that's obviously you know a strength of yours and something you're yeah. really passionate about yeah that came i remember like when we went home he actually robbed my myspace design once actually for my, <laughs> one of my school pages yeah because he was starting to brand his page and i messaged him about it that was before we'd met yeah and i said like you've stolen the code from my myspace and he wrote back and said you got me 
exclamation mark. And then two days later, his page turned into this high production flash wow. thing that must have cost yeah. thousands. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, ah, oh, there you go. That's, sure. what <laughs> That's what happens when you've got budget. That's right. Um, That's good. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I always did like the branding. It was, it was like this like super clean, unusual sort of anti-design style, sure. which, which is, uh, stood the test of time pretty well, wasn't it? Well, and even the character, right? So, you know, he's got the mouse head, um, which I think is probably, uh, you know, it's controversial in certain ways, but it's also probably done a huge amount for him. Yeah. Uh, you know, you know, I've been, I was studying your characters at Teeth mm. um, and just thinking about that and how kind of interesting that is that it, it takes you in this whole visual direction. Part of why I did it, specifically as a, as a character is because I don't like being on film. I don't like being photographed. Yeah. Um, I feel pretty uncomfortable on camera. And... We can cut these off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, We're not going to, but we could. I'm fine. I'll, I'll live. I'm not going to catch fire or anything. <laughs> I, I uh, had had to do some press shots for Spore and things like that and I just yeah. detested it. Yeah. And so I, I wanted to make sure I had a a, a get out clause for that in the future mm. so I thought I, why not make it about someone else yeah um, and again it, it lent easily into the world building thing mm -hmm. it played to my strengths because I knew I could draw it myself you created that character yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I've always done all the own, my own artwork nice um, I mean that also came from necessity like trying to work with graphic designers in drum and bass with barely any budget sure and then having to correct half the things on their on their stuff anyway, <coughs> myself. Yeah. Just to get things to line up properly, or like, I ended, you know, I was like fixing other people's artwork mm -hmm. basically, going down the label and get, or getting the PSD sent over and just sorting it out because it was the color balances off or whatever. So it, it felt much easier to take all this into my own hands, mm. just do it myself. And, yeah. Uh, I think that's always the bottom line. I kept it that way as much as possible. Yeah. <laughs> hey, if you're enjoying this one, go back in the Rebel Radio archives, check out my interview with Casper and Rusko, the uh, dubstep pioneers. We had a great talk a couple years back as, when they were uh, going on their reunion tour. I hope you'll dig that and I hope you'll finish up here with Feed Me. So how do you... How do you think about then how you use that character as like, you know, when you're when you're marketing an album, a tour, you know, uh, an, an artist project, how do you think about where the character fits in and w where it stops and you start and all of that? I suppose it is like an extension of yourself when you do something like that. And it starts as sort of a lighthearted idea. Uh -huh. like, oh, yeah, here's this fun little mischievous character. <clears throat> and he's making the music, not me. That was a nice way of thinking mm. of it. It gave it an easy way to to bracket what was applicable for that project and what was something that I could put away for another time. Sure. Because it had to feel like it, he'd done it in the studio, mm. uh, which I still keep in mind. But over time, when you work with a character like that for so long, it starts to become more a thing. More and more people talk about it. Sure. And it features next to you more and more. And you start actually becoming like a sort of fictitious married couple because sometimes you just don't want to see it <laughs> oh that's funny <laughs> like oh 
got a, like we're doing photo shoots with the pup. Well, I've got a big animatronic puppet. Oh, okay. You know, and it's in the house, and I walk yeah. past it sometimes. <laughs> just go away. Yeah. Um, it feels like it's it's just constantly laughing at me. Yeah. Because <laughs> you, you know you're late or sure. or you're doing something you don't want to do, but. Uh, yeah, it's actually sort of take, it takes a life of its own over time, but yeah. it, it still it still informs the project for me, and I wouldn't be doing it still if I didn't have the the visual outlet that went along with it, which mm-hmm. is something I still want to extend. I think yeah. working towards doing that, but it's juggling a lot of plates at the moment. Yeah, sounds so, like yeah, a little bit. So <laughs> let's talk about one of those. So you have you have the label. Yeah, I don't know how much I can talk about it. I, it got sort of stuck in some legal mm. uh, quagmire okay. recently. Not anything to do with me. To, uh, of course not. But it, it basically was an asset that was frozen yeah. because of another company that was involved with the label. So I haven't been able to do anything with it for a while, uh, which has been disappointing. Yeah. I had to sort of help the artists or a bit help the artists that were going to release, you know, move things elsewhere and just apologize for sure. a while. Um, once I get this tour sort of going, it was something I'd like to sort of reignite because it's, it's just nice having an outlet to put things out on. And I enjoy doing my album on it myself. Yeah. Something I wanted to do um, with the first album. So, yeah, talk about that a little. And we don't have to talk about anything that's sensitive. but um, But in general, you know, the idea of being an artist and also having your own label and sort of how those fit together because they're really two different businesses. <clears throat> yeah, I, well, I, I had my own label with drum and bass. We, yeah. did, we sort of branched off as early as we could and uh, it, that felt like a way of establishing ourselves because you were always working to someone else's hierarchy if you're mm-hmm. on, on, you know, tied to their label. Whereas we could be sort of... Uh, rulers of our own roost with, you know, how we branded ourselves and yeah. how we wanted to be portrayed with that. Um, and it was nice putting out releases. It's just, just this nice cathartic experience of getting it out there, seeing the finished product come back and getting responses from people mm-hmm. or traveling abroad and seeing it in someone else's record shop stocked, you know, stuff like that. Sure. Not sold. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is, uh, yeah, it's nice. I like that. I, I still and I still got a, a sort of personal interest in the physical artwork, you yeah. know, the tangible. So uh, doing it again uh, with having established Feed Me seemed like a nice idea. Yeah, um, I didn't want to be inherently permanently tied to Mousetrap. Mm-hmm. I like the the label and the brand, but I can do things myself, and sure. um, I wanted to prove that to everyone. So that was another way of doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, and it gives a nice backup situation for releasing a, a sort of pillar in your arsenal, having having the architecture ready to release things yourself should you want. Yeah. Um, do you do you find yourself, you know, when you when you've done this in the past, are you pitching artists to release on your label, or or is it just a natural? I get we get sent demos. Yeah. I got sent loads of demos when I didn't have a label. Yeah. Um, just. I guess people are just. I think it, I get demos, and like I have no, no potential outlet for anything. Right. But you just people know that you're somehow connected to the music business. Yeah, and they, I, I mean, yeah. that's something to to be admired, I guess. Sure. If you, you've got to get it out there. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, why not? Just uh, so, but 
that was one way, just finding people that way. I mean, it's, it's quite, it's, it's a funny process listening to demos. It can be extremely disheartening sometimes. I'm so happy not to have to do that in my life. <laughs> I've, I, I've done it and I didn't. If I'm in the wrong mood, it can, it can wreck my day. If you, if you get a, a big bunch of demos out and you think, oh yeah, let's give these guys. And then you're going through and you're like, oh, yeah. it's like someone just stabbing me in the ear with a screwdriver. And, uh, I just don't want to be in the studio anymore. I'm sure. So, uh, but every now and again, you hear someone, you're like, wow, <clears throat> isn't that great? And also, yeah. just eye-opening that these people, there's people out there with precocious talent oh, man. and no help. Yeah. You know? I know what that felt like. Yeah. So. Yeah, do you think that makes you more compassionate when you're, I mean, you hear a lot of bad music. Yeah. And... Uh, I hear a lot of people getting paid a lot of money to play bad music. Like when you hear Fair good enough. music that's not making any, that's I suppose there's a little bit of compassion. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, on the other hand, I, I am less educated now in what it would take to produce the same career that I've mm. been been lucky enough to experience because the goalposts have moved, you know, sure. astronomically yeah, yeah. from the days of myspace opening and me yeah. sort of creating a page to the sort of massive infrastructure which is very fluid that's happening now you know where yeah. different social media platforms are, are sort of appearing and disappearing quicker than you think and yeah which one you should be focusing your attention on or not focusing your attention on is it might vary depending on who you talk to things like that so how do you think about that now in terms of what's the next goal post for you um, I guess I'd like to, I'd like to do more visual stuff. Yeah. Um, I've always wanted to do an art presentation. I've sort of accumulated a lot of visual work over the years, sculpture and painting and et cetera. And, yeah. uh, it would be nice to actually present that as, as an, as an environment rather than a show. Cool. So we talked, started talking about this year and some potential venues to do that. Um, I'd like to do more video work. I'd like to get a director credit. Mm. I've come pretty close with the videos we've done. I did treatments for multiple ones of them and sort of, like even the thing we're doing this week, I've been doing with Kill the Noise, we're editing video to it now so that we've got a, a rough cut nice. that we can submit. I want as much control as possible on that side and it's something I'd like to express. And the other thing I'd like to do is my Seventh Stitch project, which I've been working on most of my life and have never formally released yeah and i'm fairly convinced it's it's all, all the best music i've written so nice uh it, because it stands alone without the brand around it i suppose to me it's just personal yeah uh so that's the other thing that's exciting thanks yeah Thank you. um well i have a quick lightning round before we let you get out of here okay um <laughs> uh so what's your favorite city to travel to Oh. London, because yeah. <laughs> I live just outside. Okay, fair yeah, it's enough. quick and I can get back out again. I, l I love London. I get it. Who's your favorite DJ? Oh, I don't. I don't no, know if I have nobody one. likes that question. <laughs> I don't know who do I listen to. Lately, lately, I listen. If I'm just gonna listen to a DJ, I would. It would be a techno DJ, yeah. 100%. Um, probably 
something long and interesting yeah techno wise yeah um what's the last great book you read i reread ubik by okay. philip k dick yeah uh that was lost and then the southern reach trilogy uh mm. by jeff matt vandermeer which they turned into annihilation okay film. i read right. that as well those were the last two nice um you mentioned movies what movie do you think you've seen the most in your life Oh, the matrix easily yeah. i actually studied it for part of a uh sort of digital culture and philosophy oh, side, cool. side uh, lecture nice so I, I had it on repeat for about three weeks yeah and it used to leave it on while i slept <laughs> tell me a song you know is bad but you love it anyway uh hmm Uh, uh, most of the original sound, uh, soundtrack to uh, the, the animated Transformers movie. Okay. That's my favorite bad soundtrack <laughs> of all time. They got all these sort of side, sort of second, sort of B-rate. Yeah. That's, that's actually not doing much credit because there's so many good yeah. musicians on it. But it's sort of odd hair metal bands from the 80s. Sure. Being asked to make a song for an animated Transformers movie and their results are amazing. It's, I love it. I like driving to it. It's also got some great synth, like evangelist, evangelist sort of bits in it as well. Nice. <laughs> um, and then lastly, uh, who would you be most excited to learn appreciates your work? Huh. I don't, probably uh, the most exciting thing that's happened to me artistically in that sense is I'm a massive fan of an artist who's here in LA actually called James Jean. Mm. And I've had the opportunity to meet him a couple of times and, yeah. and talk. And I have a lot of his work at home. Yeah. And uh, he's, every now and again, I'll draw something and he'll like it on Instagram, which oh, that's cool. to me is, is like just being blessed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's always the visual stuff yeah. that, that, that I get that feeling from. That's cool. Yeah, James is dope. Nice. Well, thank you for doing this. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having time. me. Yeah. Um, how does everybody find you online? <clears throat> uh, just at Feed Me. Hopefully, if I'm doing my job properly, it'll be the first thing that comes up. Cool. Good <laughs> stuff. Hey, that was Feed Me on Rebel Radio. I hope you liked it. I know I did. Um, leave us a comment. Get on that iTunes and hit us with those five stars. Give us a review. Tell us what you think. Hit us on Twitter. Hit us on Facebook at Rebel Radio Net. Make sure you check out videos from a lot of our episodes on our YouTube page youtube.com slash rebel radio net and most importantly come back next week for more rebel radio